Hi, and welcome back, or welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Dries, a Mindset and Performance Coach. I help athletes and young professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas, from training to nutrition, but focus essentially on the mindset, as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand psychology behind their actions and behavior, and of course, to know what kind of mindsets they have. Craig is a father, a grandfather, a speaker, a mentor, and a swimmer. He shares with us his life story, how he started swimming, how he trained, and what he has accomplished. His outlook in life is quite unique, and I'm sure you will gain a lot of insight from our discussion. Okay, we are on. Hi, Craig. How are you? Hi, Dries. It's wonderful to be here. It's my pleasure to have you here. So... How do you describe yourself, actually, to people when you introduce yourself? Dries, I think uh, what I love to do is to say that, first and foremost, I'm a father and a grandfather. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is my greatest joy. <laughs> and so, how old are you now? I'm 58. 58? Yeah. And the first time I met you, I think it was, what was it, like four weeks ago? Four weeks, two weeks ago. ago to yeah. the swim guys? That's right. Yes. I didn't know who you are. I said, okay, this is a swim team, and I'm just going to join and keep up with them. But then when Claudio put us in different lanes, yes, I understood that, okay, these guys are maybe knowing what they do. But like with time, I understood that you were a swimmer, trained swimmer, yes, previously Olympic swimmer, right? Not Olympic international standard. Yeah. Um, my, my story is quite an interesting uh -huh. one. I was born in South Africa. Uh-huh. And in those years, it was the, um, tragically and sadly, it was the apartheid situation and South Africans were banned from the Olympics. We were banned as a country. Okay. So I had a great passion for the sport. Hmm. I had the great privilege in my final year of high school to be invited to swim with a man by the name of Doc Councilman, who was the U.S. Olympic coach in 1972. He was actually the coach for Mark Spitz, who was the iconic Olympian he had seven gold medals in 1972, and it was, that record was only broken by Michael Phelps, I think, just a while ago. Mm -hmm. Doc came to South Africa. We swam together. I was invited in that high school year to go and do a three-week camp, if you will, you know, swimming scene with him in, uh, in Indiana University in the How US. How old were you then? I was then 17. 17. Yeah. And that was a, a life changer for me, Dries. You know, we lived in this very in a sense, a myopic and very narrow world and arrived in the United States and just saw this incredible situation, had the privilege of swimming with, with this coach and these guys. And so I then, a year later, I, I managed to secure a scholarship to the University of Houston in Texas, which is where I began to... Through swimming? Through swimming. Nice. So it was a swim scholarship. Uh, a coach by the name of Coach Hansel, who is, is really also iconic in the swim world and in that part of the world. And um, so as a young guy, this was the world that opened up to me. And so how was the beginning, actually? Like, when did you get to into swimming? At the age of, yeah, really, I think at the age of nine, actually, mm -hmm. was the first time that I swam a competition. Okay. Eight, you mean? You yeah. said eight. Uh, nine. Nine, nine years old. Yeah, okay. yeah. Seven, you know, I, I learned to swim when I was young. I was about four. Uh -huh. I ended up, my late mum took me off to a swim teacher, and there seemed to be a little bit of talent there. Uh -huh. And eventually, age, I was, got into a squad, 
as a youngster. Uh-huh. Did my first, I remember it so well. It's incredible. You wouldn't think so. I mean, that's a good, nearly 50 years ago, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. But I think back on it. So for me, a career began there. Did you know that what you wanted to do with it at that age already? You mentioned beginning of a career. Was it for fun? Was it, let's just do it and see what can come out of it? It really surprised me, Dries, because I discovered I had a talent. Mm-hmm. And it became a defining factor for me. I loved it. I was not highly competitive in the sense that, you know, it wasn't about me having to be the best or anything like that. I just really loved it. Okay. And I was not the best. They were young guys my age who were f- faster and, and so on. But I, I really loved the water and, and it made me feel good. And I started to do well. I got recognition, you know, at school level. I started to win a few things and it all played a role in my own personal sense of, of self-worth, mm-hmm. dignity, yeah. those sort of things, which for me is really important. If I think about as a father and a grandfather, I think of kids and so on, I think this is critical to discover a, something that they, they love and that they're good at. Yeah. And it's a defining factor in your life. Yeah. You know? and why was it swimming, not something else? Did you had a choice, actually? Yeah. Yeah. You, had yeah. A you know, we had great schools. And so in the school environment, I was exposed to so much. You know, we played soccer, we did athletics, we did so many different things. And none of them appealed to me as much as the swim. What does swimming has that is more than the other sports? For me, you know, I know a lot of people will say swimming is a lonely sport because when you're in the water, you're kind of by yourself. But actually, it's quite interesting, Greece. It's I do all my thinking in the water. It's kind of almost a meditative space. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard runners and people who do stuff on the road who feel the same way, but for me, it's in the water. I mean, even as a young kid with my family, I would dive into the pool on the weekends in the morning and I would stay in that water for hours. I would get out of the water just to eat something, you know. (laughs) Getting wrinkles on the hands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, until your eyes are, you know, bloodshot and all that. (laughs) But it was just a great part of my life. And living in, I suppose, in a hot climate, open air, mm. beautiful country, and having access to a swimming pool. Mm. And for me, I was clearly predisposed to it. I loved it. That's nice. Speaking about family, did you have support from your family regarding this? Tremendous support. In retrospect, I recognized yeah. that the broader family had a heritage in swimming. My, oh, okay. my late father was a swimmer. Many of the cousins and uncles and so on you know, loved swimming. So it just happened right. to be there. But I had in, tremendous support. You know, when it started to get more serious and I was with a coach, it required going for a swim session in the morning before school and then right. going there in the afternoon again and there would be galas. And my late mum and dad were amazing. You know, my uh-huh. dad would be up at quarter to five in the morning, be in the car and off to mm-hmm. swimming, you know. And I mean, it's a real sacrifice for any parent who's got a child who's active like that. Yeah. So would you say your parents had a good influence and your uh, swim career and your personality. Tremendous. Tremendous. A, a, tremendously so. An encouraging one. I saw over years that there were parents who would scream and shout and pressure their kids. And I realized they were trying to, in a way, kind of live their own dream through their child. And that was mm. so negative. My parents, on the other hand, were tremendously encouraging. Yeah, they were just tremendously supportive. How did I do it with you, let's say, for example, when you failed at reaching, I don't know, a goal or didn't make it into one of these contests like you've been doing? Interesting. My late mum was very passionate. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was more kind of relaxed about it. So if I didn't hit it, he was more kind of, it's okay, son, you know, we'll figure yeah. it out and go forward. My mom would typically be a little, she would get angry. <laughs> yeah. She'd express her displeasure. How? Just kind of a, you know, a really strong talk, you know, and sometimes a bit of negative reinforcement, which yeah. was her way. Uh-huh. But it would only be a flash in the pan, you know. Within a few hours, she would kind of say, okay, you know, we've got to do this. But she was more driven to see me succeed. Yeah. Did it influence your results a little bit to know that if you don't make it, she would be frustrated or angry? That, funny enough, funny enough, that didn't bother me too much. No, all right. Uh, I was more driven. I'm actually more driven by positive reinforcement. Which is a really good thing. It works for me. Do you remember, I don't know, either mom or dad saying something to you that could have impacted your results, that actually impacted your results so far, like a words or like some sort of mantra or something that you keep on thinking of from that time? They both said to me, I could go as far as I, I wanted to. That's a really good one. Yeah. I think we were kind of realistic about a number of things. There were guys out there who had more obvious talent, guys that were perhaps fitter or stronger and so on. So that was the reality. And we had a longer view. Yeah, they were just, they were just encouraging. And, and that was kind of the statement. You can go as far as you want to go. So even though you knew that there was other kids there having more talent, mm. measurable talent, I yeah. guess, you kept on going, you kept on trying, kept on doing your best. So what were you thinking at that moment? Like, I mean, you know, like a lot of people would say, other people are better than me, so maybe I don't have maybe the chance. Some people would have that kind of thinking. How did you approach this topic at that time? Interesting in terms of my personality, I was sort of the quiet planner, if you will. Uh-huh. I would look at it and go, I think I can beat that guy. Yeah. Or I can do better. I think I would take a measure and believe, feel that I could get there, I could do this. So some people were very demonstrative. They kind of strut their stuff and they would be vocal about, I'm going to be the best, you know, you're going to see my feet in the water or whatever the case might be. I was more like your passive aggressive. <laughs> I see. So you would plan and strategize. I would plan and strategize quietly and think, yep, okay. I'll prove it with mm. the action, not so much with the words. And, and that kind of set a pattern for me. Mm. Even to this day, if I get into the pool and I swim and I see somebody getting the water who's clearly talented and good i'll take a measure of them and kind of figure out whether i can you know stay the pace and and i love to one always loves to win right yeah okay but it's not all about the was never always about the winning for me it was about my goals my objectives my sense of achievement more that i had to be the top dog So how would you define that success, in fact? Like, so being on the top or winning other, against other people or rather becoming your best? For me, it was about becoming my best. Yeah. Though I will always say it was always great to beat the other guys or to win. It was a great satisfaction if one could, especially if there was a challenge. If they, if they challenged me directly and said, man, you know, I'm going to sort you in the pool and, you know, This is my race. I would quietly resolve to yeah. fight back and take it on. It was really great to be able to do that. Not always. Amazing. But the real measure for me was huh. really about my time, how I felt in the water, and, and my own achievement there. 
Amazing. So you basically just defined, I mean, not defined, like you recall the hard work beats talents. That is a biggie. And we see it, I mean, as you know, we see it not just in the pool, but we see it in every aspect of life. Every right? field, yeah. Yeah, I was definitely not, I mean, there are guys that genetically, mental strength-wise, mm. whatever, just had an advantage. Mm. So how were you satisfied with your swimming career? I mean, when did you stop, by the way, and what made you stop? Yeah, yeah. actually it was it was cut short uh, by circumstances, which for me was a, was a sadness at the time, but I also moved into a new phase in my life. So I was in the US, I was on scholarship. We were not allowed to, to compete in the Olympics, but it was okay. I was competing. The guys that I swam with, some of them went on. They were from other countries and very international team, and they went to the Olympics in 1980 and did very well. And I kind of did the measure. My coach there, coaches there, had a longer view. They mapped out a four-year plan. Their desire was to see me get into the top 20 worldwide in the world rankings for my wow. particular stuff. I saw that as being a long view. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't there yet. But what happened for me was that both politics, the political framework, as well as personal. My late mum became desperately ill. We actually thought we were going to lose her. I had to cut short my time in the United States to come back to SA. And that, that changed everything for me in a very relatively short space of time. I couldn't continue to pursue those goals. So I always had this, I remained in the water. I had this kind of, if you will, kind of a broken dream, if you will. But I accepted what had happened. Life sometimes delivers to you things that you didn't anticipate. And you've got to, you know, sometimes you also make good and bad decisions, you know. I might have been able to, I've reflected on it many times, what would have happened if I had taken decision A versus decision B or whatever. And perhaps there were other alternatives, but I was young. We were dealing with so many different things at the time. So that career, that aspiration was cut short by a combination of external factors and internal factors, decisions I made. And so within a couple of years, I was a married man and raising a family back in South in Africa. South Africa mm -hmm. And thinking differently, but swimming, that dream was there. The awareness of what I had done and what I could perhaps have done was there, but I stayed in the water. And for you know the last 35 years or longer, I have always been in the water. You know, because of the intensity of the competition environment and so many things, I was reluctant to get back into any form of competition. I would just swim for personal gain. Mm -hmm. yeah, and pleasure mm -hmm. but there's a story attached to that yeah okay and so what was the top level you reached in competitive swimming when you were still on the circuit well i the way i look at it and it's, it's not an easy measure mm -hmm. but on a global scale if i think back of the times that i achieved and things that i did yeah, while, your while level of satisfaction States, for level example. of satisfaction yeah, yeah. you know i w in my races i was probably in the top 50 worldwide, mm -hmm. you know, for what I was doing. I swam in the Southwest Conference in the United States. At the college level, I did well. I was satisfied with So when you look back, you think if you want to scale it from 1 to 10, you would say, I'm quite satisfied. I was, I'm uh, satisfied. Eight, yeah. eight, for example, nine, yeah. right? I would yeah. say so. And how would the 10 would have looked like, being satisfied 10 or 9.5? Well, for me, 10, 9.5, 10 would have been getting into the top 20 world rankings 
the reality of that time is when you go back is that looking forward, you know, there was no visible sign that much would change from a global political perspective. So the possibilities of doing an Olympics, which would have been the great dream or something like that was gone. So it was really for me about a measure to try to measure myself on a global scale and just the sense of satisfaction. So perhaps getting to attend for me would have been getting into that level of rank. So that level, yeah. Were you completely committed and dedicated to your training when you were in the States? Oh, yeah. No distractions? No distractions in the States. You know, <laughs> when we were young, we were a little yeah. bit, I always say we were young and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so we partied and we had fun as young guys, you know, and it was great. At, you know, you're in, yeah. you're in college and you're a youngster and it's a whole new world. It was, and, you know, we were distracted, I guess, uh-huh. as one would be at the age of 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. you know. But I was very focused. It was tough stuff. Tell me about it. Yeah, it was a time where, and in this particular grouping, I was a middle to and distance swimmer, so 400 and 1,500 specialists. We just put in crazy hours. You know, at peak in the season, we swam 16 kilometers a day. Wow. Yeah, made in two sessions. The morning session would typically be somewhere around about seven to eight kilometers, and the evening would be more so, okay yeah amazing like did you had a goal i mean you mentioned the goal four years with your coaches i had a couple of questions actually did you had a mentor first was there a mentor outside of the training facility outside of your coaches or one of them was actually your mentor in the same time well you know coach hansel himself was really phenomenal he was okay yeah. and then i have to say that in the background was this incredible privilege that i had of swimming with doc councilman the previous year in Indiana. Uh-huh. And I watched these guys closely and got a lot of good input from them. The coaching team was fantastic. Okay. So direct mentorship came from them. So you had a goal that was a four years goal. Yes. If I remember well. And, but you had, I guess, also some milestones. Yes. To cross. You said your training was tough. So you'd be swimming 16 kilometers a day. At peak. At, at, the, peak. at the highest peak. point of the sea of, of the training season, yeah. Training, what, like five days on seven, six so days? six days a week. So typically at that point, it was, it was extreme. We did 16 kilometers a day mm-hmm. in the water. We would do weight training three times a week. Weight training? Yeah, strength work. In the same days where you would be swimming? Yep. or Yeah, in the same days. Mm-hmm. It was extreme. And we would do a lot of stretching. At least, I mean, before every single session, there was a half an hour of significant stretch work that we did. Oh, wow. You know, swimming was a very, amongst the, in the sporting codes, it, it was a very scientific sport and very advanced even yeah. then. They would put uh, cameras in, in house the them and get them under the water. We did a lot of intensive work in those days. Yeah, even then. Proper full training. Yeah. Yeah, nice. What about nutrition? Well, in those days, we didn't really know a whole lot about it. Uh (laughs) like not even like the amount of calories that you need to be having every day we just knew we had to eat like crazy you know so we did we ate oh gosh we were literally eating machines (laughs) (laughs) i imagine like i think i heard somewhere that you guys had to eat almost eight thousand calories a day seven thousand calories a day yeah exactly i actually saw some material i think of michael phelps at the peak of his career where he was doing 10,000 calories a day. One has to, I mean, the, the amount that you burn up is crazy. And so we didn't measure it that way. It wasn't for us a, a measure. Mm-hmm. We just literally would, you know, as an example, go in, have dinner, mm-hmm. which would be huge, you know, in the canteen. Mm-hmm. 
And an hour later, we would go and find a place off campus to go and eat more. <laughs> when do you have time to digest and before going to water? <laughs> well, you know, then we would typically... I was just absorbing it all. Yeah, just absorbed it. And we'd go to, you know, you'd, you'd be so exhausted, especially we didn't swim 16 kilometers a day every day. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. at peak. Average probably was more like 12, which is still a lot. So how would a typical day would look like? Would you start, for example, with some kind of morning routines? Yes. Okay. Very much so. So typically in those days, uh, we would wake up uh, 4.45 in the morning. I would have some kind of supplement. There were some supplements available in those days, uh, just a, something that I would mix and drink. Personally, I was never able to really go into a heavy session without something. And I would have usually a banana or something like that. That was what worked for me. Then I w we would go. We'd, get, we'd be at the poolside. In fact, as I think about it, we'd wake up at 4.30. We'd be at the poolside around about 5. We'd be in the water by 5.15. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And we would swim until 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. in the morning. From there, it's back to go and have breakfast. And then it's, we were at college, so then it was classes. School. Mm -hmm. And that would take us through to lunchtime, big lunch. And then the afternoon session would typically, for us distance swimmers, we would start an hour before the rest of the guys. So we would start normally at 2. And uh, we would finish it around about five. The other guys would come in around about three and do two hours. So, you know. And how would you do your rest? Well, um, somehow, I don't know, you know, when I think back on it, you know, doing school, doing college, doing all of that through the day, we would somehow just keep moving. Night times, you know, after dinner, Especially during the week, we would always, there would be a bit of socializing on the weekend, but during the week, one was just exhausted. You'd have to do, you'd have to rest and you'd have to do some of your studies and stuff as well. So it, it was tough going, but um, we were young and we loved it. Somehow you just keep moving forward. But it, it laid a foundation. I learned, I think, a little bit about potential and about capacity. You know, I think you're always surprised by what you can do under those sort of pressures. Pressure, she said. Yeah. Speaking about pressures, how do you, did you cope with pressure? Was there any kind of pressure when it comes to competition, waiting for contests? Yeah, the days before, the weeks before, big games, for example. There's a lot of pressure. There's no doubt that there's a competition preparation that has to happen. I mean, yeah. I experience it now again as a master swimmer. Uh -huh. It's very different when you, you know, you, you're working out with your buddies and swimming and doing the mileage and watching your times and so on. But when the awareness sets in that in, in a week's time or whatever, you've got a, a swim meet mm -hmm. and you're going to be competing, you get that kind of queasy thing in your gut mm -hmm. as you think about it. Mm -hmm. And you've got to begin to prepare yourself mentally. And it's really important because as with any sport, I guess, but certainly with swimming, if you don't get the mental thing right and prepare yourself well, mm -hmm. you, know, you can tighten up in your shoulders, uh, And in, in, in this sport, it's really about keeping everything flexible and mm -hmm. you know, you've got to be right there. So it can really impact your performance. And I, I had a couple of occasions early on in the U.S., kind of stage fright, if you will, mm -hmm. where I kind of tensed up and didn't perform as I wanted to in the beginning. I had to learn to develop a mindset for the race. How? Well, for me, it really was about visu visualizing and thinking about it in the context of my race not about the guy next to me, you know. I'd have to in my own, mentally prepare myself, feel in the water in my preparation what it felt like to go at a particular pace, what a 
what the first hundred would feel like, the first, the second hundred, the third, the fourth, and kind of feel it out and really build that memory into my mind, blazing it in, and focus on that. And when the race would come, I would try to keep myself focused on that because, yeah. So would you prepare these off the pool? Yes. Visualizing. Did you see it? Yes. Hear it? Yeah. Even maybe smell it? Absolutely. Every detail. Every detail. Who taught you that technique? No one actually taught me. I just, in those days, I don't recall a specific input in that regard, but I, I just understood that if I focused on the guy next to me, it would be the wrong focus. And I had to find a way to gear myself and, and, and race my race. And how frequently did you do this practice? Always in preparation for, for, a, for a meet. If we knew that a gala was coming, it was a week or two or three weeks away, I'd begin the process. And I would do two things. I would do out-of-the-water preparation, so thinking about it, but also in the water, I would measure myself. So, you know, they would do time trials as well, but on my own, I would try to embed in my memory what it felt like to swim at a particular pace and think a lot about the strategy in, in middle to long distance. You know, it's very strategic. You know, you're going to go out at a certain pace. You're going to do certain things that during the race and you're going to close and finish the race in a certain way. You played the whole movie of the winner. Very much so. Impressive. Nice. Mm. Did you use any other kind of mental skills to deal with that pressure or stress? Well, I, for me personally, what I, I had to do was, and this may, may sound like a contradiction, but mm. I would try not to take it too seriously. It's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would put in context that it was just a race. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because otherwise I would get too anxious and too, you know, hyped up about what was coming. For me, the fun factor is that is there one of the great legacies of my family is that we love to laugh. We have this great sense of humor in the clan and we love to really laugh. And so a good laugh and so on is really important. So I try to take a, a bit of a humorous relaxed look at it as well and keep in mind because that's my way of if I'm focused super sharp just to ensure that on a on a mental and psychological level which flows to the physical that I, I relax a little bit it's crucial in this sport it's good mindset to carry on the contest yeah, I had a, a call uh, lately with somebody from Australia who mentioned something similar she was going in the heat And what made the difference in her results was that she took it easy. There we go. Yeah. She prepared though. Yeah. But then in the heat, she took it easy. I'm going to have fun yes. today. Yes. Yeah. It's a very good one. You know, I have an, an experience in yeah. my career as a, as a young swimmer that really set a tone for me, taught me an important lesson. Mm -hmm. For life, I guess. For life. On and off the field. On and off the field, but certainly in the water. Mm -hmm. My coach, uh, at that point in time, I was 14 years of age. I was swimming shorter distances and doing okay, but I was not a sprinter, clearly. Mm. My coach approached me and he said to me, in the championships that are coming up, I'd like you to do the 1,500-meter swim. And I, I was kind of freaked out. He said, just trust me, I want you to do it, even if you come last. What he knew that I didn't know was that I was actually much better geared for that than I was for a sprint. And so, uh, without much preparation, I went into the race in this particular championship event. And um, I was the youngest. We went by age groups, but I was the youngest in my particular age group. And I went in there and I actually won the race 
by more than a 50 meter length. Yeah. And I thought I was stone lost because <laughs> I couldn't see anybody. <laughs> but it taught me an incredible lesson that I wasn't anxious. I just swam. I didn't really think I was going to, you know, I just kind of did my thing. Were you without expectations or expecting the worst? I was probably neutral. I was like, huh. this is interesting. It's going to hurt. Uh -huh. you know, so it's a tough race. Um, I am fit. I've got good stamina. I should do okay. And then as I swam and I couldn't see anybody, I thought, well, clearly it's not going so well. Hmm. Did you have this in your mind while swimming? Yeah. yeah. Self-talk. Interesting point there. Big one. Yeah. But interesting, even though I thought, well, maybe I'm not doing too well, I was in a rhythm. I was yeah. determined to keep my pace, whatever it was that I was doing, and, and to see it out. So even though it was there, you ignored it. I ignored it. Kept on going. Exactly. I didn't, yeah. I didn't yield to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you still use these techniques right now. Mm. Yeah. So you mentioned being a master swimmer. What are you after right now? Well, for me, it's been a, an absolute surprise. Mm. You know, many, many years now of just swimming on my own and um, desiring not to be in the competitive space, primarily because it was so intense. And I, a lot of my friends said, come into the master's game and do it just for fun. And my reply would be, I don't think I can do that. If I come back, I'm going to be competitive. And if I'm going to be competitive, I've got to put in a certain amount of mileage in the water, which is going to take time and commitment from me. And I'm not sure that I'm able to do that, which is kind of where I've been for many years. But arriving in Bali, I was thrust into the situation, surprisingly. By, uh, my son connected with someone, and before I knew it, within a few days, I was invited to join these guys just for a look-see, just to swim. Met this fabulous group of people. Did prepared for swam with them for six weeks, and then they, there was a, a meet, a masters meet, a gala that came along, and they said, "Give it a go, see how you do." You know, and I did a lot better than I thought I might. Again, yeah, <laughs> and it kind of set it up for me. Mm. So to answer your question, I then went and looked at the world rankings in my age group, and I kind of thought about the possibilities. I thought, what if it were possible? not just to go to the world championships next year, but maybe to do okay, you know, maybe get in. If, for me, a goal would be to try to get into the top 10 in my age group. That would be a great achievement for me, and it requires a lot of hard work still to re be realized. But I saw that it was within range, that there's a possibility if I try. Mm. What would that mean to you to get into the uh, top 10? And why would you do it, in fact? Well, it's a great sense of personal satisfaction at mm. this stage of my life. Mm. It's, I would say as well, it's a lovely way for me to kind of open up and how would I describe it? You know, my career and my dreams and aspirations were cut short, as I described earlier. Mm. And it would be a lovely way for me to kind of put a cherry on top or mm. refresh that in a way, for me, in terms of personal satisfaction. Mm. There are guys in the top 10 situation, there are guys who are swimming a whole lot faster than I am. And I, I think I take a reasonably sober view of my capabilities and what I could do. But if I could get into that, that would be a great achievement. Even the top 20 would be great, but top 10 is really what I'm, I would like to do, if possible. Amazing. Like a, mm. the rhythm I see you swimming for here. <laughs> I look forward to see where you can come from that. Thank you. For sure. <laughs> so you're quite busy with this, but you mentioned also having projects and ideas for your future here. 
new family, I believe, as well. So what else are you up to that you would like to share with the audience? This for me, uh, I'm at a very interesting stage of my life. I've been through a very, very tough period of time, a good 10, 12 years that has involved a lot of great challenges, tremendous, a lot of things happened in my life that were tough. Yeah, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about myself. I've had to confront things in my life that I didn't recognize before that set me up, you know, for personal pain or, you know, sometimes we cycle through something a couple of times and before we realize what, you know, how we sort it out. So it's been a time of a lot of that. And I'm looking at my life and I'm going, I'm 58, I feel great. I'm in, I'm in a great place physically and I've got, I'm very grateful for my life. I'm grateful for, uh, as I mentioned at the start, you yeah. know, for beautiful kids and shortly for you know, my, the fourth grandchild coming soon. And there's, there's just a great joy uh, in that. My family are spread around the globe. And I've been reflecting on my own life and my own, what it is that I want to do with it. I want to build forward in a way which is authentic and congruent with what I really love and what I believe in, you know. You know, I think the younger one can do that, the better. But I'm definitely at a place. So for me, this time in Bali, this time here, is a time of reflection, of change, and a resetting of goals. I've been involved in a wonderful industry, the network marketing industry, for many years, and the last 12 years have helped develop leaders and people and encourage people and et cetera, et cetera. And it's been a space that I really have enjoyed, but, you know, I'll still continue to do that. But I, I'm exploring possibilities that will be even closer to my own very deep passion, which is really people. Aligned with your values. With my values. Amazing. Yeah. I'm fundamentally an encourager. Okay. A couple of questions. Do you read? I do read. What do you read? Well, I read a range of things. I love to read, gosh, personal life stories of great people in history. I'm a great lover of history. We share that in common. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I love that sort of thing. I read a lot of stuff in terms of personal development and personal growth, a fair amount of that. I've just read a very a fascinating book written by Tim Marshall, which is now, you know, it's kind of a a book about the geopolitical scenario worldwide. I always think it's good to be aware of the world we live in. I'm not a fan of politics or getting involved in that stuff, but I like to know and have contextual understanding of the world I live in and with a love for history to understand, you know, so it's a great passion. And then, you know, the lives, the stories, the personal stories of sportsmen, um, men and women who've done great things. And I see some commonalities all the way through. Always there's uh, the same outlines yes. for these people. Yes. Yeah. So passing on the message now to the younger folk, younger athletes, what would be, let's say, your your advice for somebody that is in the beginning of his or her career as a swimmer? If you're going to give them one message, what would that be? I would say be authentic. So first thing I want to say to the young, to anybody, mm. is there's only one of you. Mm. Okay. There'll never be another you. Mm. And no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what advantages or disadvantages you've had, there's only one of you. I saw something on, I don't know, you know, there's been a little bit of debate around the statistics involved, but there was this um, re the statistical research done in terms of the probability of one of us being born, you know, and being here. And it was one in 
in 400 billion, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of makes you pretty unique. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so for me, this is a big deal. I think right. with everyone is to say, recognize who you are, value who you are, not in a selfish way. I think we, I think, again, I think one of the great challenges in our world is, is it's very easy to slip into personal selfishness, self-gain, you know, which I'm not a great fan of. Mm. Value yourself in the context of that you're unique and you're part of a community, you're part of, you know, you're connected to people around you. Be kind to yourself because you're going to make mistakes, you're going to fail. As John Maxwell says, we need to learn to fail forward. And I would say I've probably, you know, I've done more than my fair share of failing. What I've learned in that journey is to be kind to myself, but at the same time to learn from that, to be teachable, to be responsive. And I guess another thing for any young swimmer is to say, don't lose the joy. You know, if you're doing anything, if you're doing the swimming because your mum or your dad said you must do it, or you're doing it because you're trying to prove a point or whatever the case is, those are all the wrong reasons. You've got to do it because you love it. Wonderful, Craig. Let's end on this beautiful note. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Teresa. It's it was been a real big, big pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. 